Smashing the Plateau. I'm David Schreiner-Kahn with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. Keep track and document every one of your key experiences or contributions. Today on episode 21 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Susan Hartman. Susan's last job was the director of global marketing at Fortune 500 company Schneider Electric. Now running her own business, Susan has learned how to create positive outcomes for herself subsequent to a job loss. Listen as we discuss how Susan has moved forward to become a successful marketing advisor and consultant. If you're trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Now let's welcome Susan Hartman. Susan is a former director of global marketing at Fortune 500 company Schneider Electric, now working as a marketing advisor and consultant with companies across the country as the principal of Susan Hartman Consulting. With over 20 years of experience in building successful marketing plans, executing and delivering on global programs, and establishing a content marketing practice across a multi-division corporation, Susan works with organizations of all sizes to adapt and assess ways of helping them achieve success with their marketing efforts. Susan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, David. It's great to be here with you. Susan, you have a long history of employment before you (laughs) launched your own business with lots of successes as an employee, Mm -hmm. and still you've experienced your share of job losses. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because um, on the one hand, it makes no difference how great and stellar you are and how much they love you. At the end of the day, it's very possible that it's a business decision. It's not usually a personal decision, but that's hard to reckon with, especially the first time or two that it might happen to you because I think a lot of people become so vested in working where that they've been employed and maybe being very committed to the work they're doing that it doesn't occur to them that there's a possibility they may need to to step back once in a while and get some perspective and know what's happening around them as to whether or not their job is going to continue or should they be looking at something else, either within their organization or elsewhere. So so my experience with becoming unemployed was was really, um, I say it's uniquely different. And on the one hand, while it was very stressful to go through the first time or two, um, by the fourth time, I, I felt like a champion at it. And I kind of knew really where I needed to go uh, as I left one company and decided what was going to be the next step. So um, I would say that, you know, that that setback really became a positive for me. And it really helped to make me much more flexible and much more aware of my career as I moved forward from one position to another. Well, our, our identity is so tied up in our work, especially for those of us who provide um, specialized professional services mm-hmm. that I don't think it occurs to most people that there's a chance that their job is going to disappear. And, you know, in particular, I also think that there's, there's this uh, kind of assumption that there's, that an employment relationship means that there's some kind of loyalty in both directions. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think as high-level employees, we expect that we are going to be loyal to our employer 
I think that's that's a major assumption. And mm-hmm. uh, and I yeah. think there's also an, an assumption that the reverse is true, that the employer is going to be loyal to us. And, you know, somebody like you who's experienced four job losses, I guess that's not the case. It sounds awful, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it really, it's, it, you know, in a way, it was really weird when it first happened, like I said. And, and then you, you kind of come to the realization of what you're saying, you know, that, that there is that level of commitment you make to the job or you just plain love what you're doing. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's a guarantee that you'll continue to get to do that. And I think people have to think about that and be prepared for what could happen or what could change. And, and in, in many cases, you know, the first time it was a, it was a resizing of departments. Uh, the second time for me, um, it was really a little less shocking and disappointing, but I kept on moving, you know, and it, it was something that I suppose I could say I saw the writing on the wall kind of thing. Although an interesting story on that there, I saw the writing on the wall. I wasn't really happy where I was. I wasn't making the change. And one time driving down the highway to get to a meeting where I was just miserable. I said, Oh, I can't believe I'm driving down to this meeting. It's a two hour drive in traffic. I need to get out of this job. And I went under one of those small overpasses and somebody had spray painted on the overpass, what's going to set you free. And I never forgot that because I thought, well, isn't that interesting? It's really about you deciding how this is going to go and you deciding how you, how you want your work and your life to proceed. So I did make that leap out of that job and I moved into the next one. In that case, you know, again, it was a a very different cultural shift that was happening in terms of their business model. I wasn't surprised on that. And then by the fourth one, I felt like a complete pro at this. (laughs) So, So when they sit down, just say, well, we need to have a conversation. I knew the questions to ask. And that one was actually fine. That was a, a departure I expected. The company was going through a complete wage structure and, and they had filed chapter 11. So that was fine. But, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting experience to go through them because you're kind of, you know, off your wheels at first and then you suddenly say, all right, I get it. And I think there are some ways that people can prepare themselves to have this happen, whether it's happened yet or it may happen. I think that the trick is that folks have to really be mindful of the space they're in, be mindful of their industry, their business, the work that they do, what's happening around the organization, and not just focus on the job. Right. And I, and I guess to realize that no matter what the circumstances are, what you perceive to be happening, job loss can happen at any time. Absolutely. It absolutely can. So given your own experiences, how do you think people can prepare for a job loss? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd say that the easiest thing to do, and it really should be something that's built into your month by month uh, thinking is to keep track and document every one of your key experiences or contributions. So it may not be that you you launched a product or you produced an entire marketing package or you designed some you know service that the company needed. There are a lot of ways that you contribute that are valuable to your organization. And those are things that help to provide examples of your organizational experience or your interrelationships experience, uh, your operational experience, whatever it is. But when you when you do those things, you should try to be mindful of keeping track of them and, and documenting them because it, it will help you to remember what you did well and how good your contributions really are. And those are the kind of the soft items that people forget about very easily because we just plain do them. It's part of you know the work we do in our job or the love we have for the, 
for the work. And we forget that we're giving those contributions to the organization. So when you're getting to the point where you need to move on to the next thing, that's really important to have all of that so that you can share it again and say, okay, these are some good examples of things I did. And they don't always have to be like, you know, exploding out of the box types of examples. I think a lot of employers want to know what's the real and genuine way that you work and you contribute and that you're going to help us if you come and work for our organization. And I think that that's an important thing to to be mindful of. The other, what I think is an obvious thing, but we all forget this too, is just keeping your network alive. I've stayed in touch with people through all of these different jobs. Now, I wouldn't say everybody. It's a little hard to do that. But social media is certainly very helpful to support it. But I stay in touch with my network of people through all of the companies I've worked with, especially the really key people that you, you have good relationships with who can speak to your contributions, who were just plain supportive, who are, you know, moving on into other interesting professional spaces. And I think that it's really important to keep track of all that because you you will eventually need them or you'll want to stay in touch with them. And in fact, that is how I went from job to job. I was never one of these people who did a, a big spraying out of resumes and then finally found something. It my My career has literally been moving from one place to another by way of my network of individuals that helped me to get a foot in the door. I'd say people should really make sure they're visible about what's going on around their industry. So even if it means getting out of your workspace, attending events, going to functions, going to a conference, you know, you know, beg your employer to send you to something or on your own dime, just go and hit a workshop and make sure you stay abreast of what's happening, especially if it's an industry you want to stay in and you want to cultivate it, make certain you stay up to to date on all of that. And I think some people forget to do that. They also forget to stay up to date, you know, relative to, you know, whether it's, you know, writing for trade publications or blogging, if they really want to be known for what they do, that's, that's a key element to contribute uh, that isn't, driven by your employer, but it's really driven by you. And I think in the current work climate um, and the types of work that people are doing, I think it's really important to do more writing if you can, if you're inclined to, and to really start staying active with that. Because what will happen, especially if you're using LinkedIn, by the way, what will happen is that when you decide to make a change or if you are if change is made for you, <laughs> then now you have, you know, good background, you have good input and um, a voice around what your, what your business and your philosophy are. So I would say that all of those are, are really key things to, to be mindful of. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that, that following these strategies was really helpful to you in moving on to new, a new position each time. And, mm. and I suspect that it probably sped up the process. Yeah, it did. You know, one thing that you, you need to remember when you, when especially after the first shock, I, I made a, a knee-jerk decision and jumped into the next job that where I needed to be set free. And um, I learned from that experience. It, it was a negative time for me. It was not a good time for me, but, you know, I learned from it and said, well, it's good to keep in mind that, you know, you need to map out what's going to happen next and, and keep those connections of people in mind. Because once you've moved from one thing to the next, you start to build on it and, and you start to see that happening. And, and it would be my hope that most people don't go through four layoffs in their career. But, uh, you know, it, it was the nature of the, of the industry I was in. So let's put it that way. That was a big piece of it. But, um, you know, you do start to, uh, to become a little bit more savvy about things along the way. Yeah. One of the things that I'm discovering through this show is, is actually how common multiple layoffs are 
even mm. for high performing professionals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a large part of it has to do with um, when you go into, especially if you go into um, a unique new industry or niche and you've got a lot of key players. So I was in the dot-com space when a lot of this was happening. My stability really took place when I moved over to my last long career with Schneider Electric, which was 14 years. So, you know, it's really one of those things where you could see the trend in the industries and how some industries are very much more volatile and then they become more stable. And I think that that can have a lot to do with how much shifting and moving you do. I would say probably people in the financial industry or insurance or I'm I'm really making an assumption here. Those are less volatile uh, businesses for, by and large. So I don't know that they have layoffs as often, but um, it really can be a, a variety of reasons that you get let go. And I will tell you, you take it personally the first time, but really it's it's a business decision. Unless you've really had a bad experience where you're working, it, it's normally always about business. It's not a personal decision that they make. Um, and, and very often that's why you can keep and retain a lot of the contacts that you had when you worked there and don't burn those bridges. It's good to have them. Yeah, that makes total sense. So Susan, you have clearly thought a lot about this and you have gotten better at making job changes, even when that, when the trigger wasn't your choice, Mm -hmm. what caused you to decide to go into your own business now? Mm. So a couple of things. I had been with the company for a long time and, and left on good terms. I still uh, am very pro pro of that company. I'm very pro of their leadership and, and have lots and lots of contacts. They're wonderful people I worked with. But I got to a point in my life where I really wanted to do more of my own work. I wanted to try that out. I said, well, this is something that I could be stepping into and now start evolving it and and making it my own right into the kind of the last phase of my career, essentially. The other thing was that I work around marketing. I've been in marketing through this entire duration. With the exception of a, a short stint doing sales early on in my career, I've, it's always been about marketing, product marketing, field, regional, global. So I really thought that I'd like to step out of working for just one company where all of my efforts go into just that single company and single message and to take a lot of all of those experiences and understanding of clients and product and you know the environments and help each of the clients that I might work with to put together marketing solutions and strategies that will help them and be effective using all of the very new and innovative stuff that's coming out in the last, I'd say, six to 10 years. And I like the idea of working with all of these clients uh, for whatever duration they need. And then I can move on to the next, the next story is what I would call it, because I, everyone has this a very similar needs, but they all have a different story. And I think it's interesting to work with different clients that have different business models, different initiatives. But at the end of the day, the objective is, you know, we want to be known and we want to sell what we do. And that was really what my goal was, that I wanted to start working in that space and do more of that and kind of spread myself across a number of different clients you know, customers and businesses. And what year did you launch your business? I am just a little over two years, actually. I jumped out in 2017 and about mid-year of 2017. And uh, I said, oh, I need to take some time and space. And everyone said, yes, you should take time and space. This is good for you. (laughs) 
six and about not even six months later, the next thing I knew I was at a conference presenting and I just kind of came right out of the box doing all of that. But to be honest, I was really excited and I jumped at it because I, I love when an opportunity presents itself and I get kind of excited about it, jump in and let's go. And so I've really been at it probably most actively since about the end of 2017. So Yeah. So now you've been in it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? Oh, it's interesting. It's really a different thing to be. I, I like that. I, I may have gotten this term from you, solopreneur. Are you the yes. one that uses that? Yeah, it's one, yeah, it's one like that, that I use. I think it's a great. I, I didn't create it, but that's one that I like to use. Okay. Well, I'm going to attribute it to you, David, because that's where I learned it. But um, it's a great term. And um, what does that feel like? Um, it's been a big shift to go from the the we, us to the me, I. I, I'm not typically someone who does that. I'm accustomed to, you know, leading teams, running teams, you know, collectively getting groups together and running a department. So that's a different mindset. Um, it's a cultural mindset change because now instead of being, you know, amongst a group of people and everyone who works independently probably says this, but you know, you now get used to working by yourself. So I have found that it's been beneficial for me to plan times that I get out and I meet with folks and I go to specific meetings or that I also have a lot of either face-to-face with people that I worked with or I have phone time. And I've built up a network of people to replace the work environment. I have now a network of people that are part of the the freestyle work environments, if we should call it that. Um, And we all have kind of an exchange of ideas or exchange of talents uh, and support for one another. And that's been a nice change, but that was a, a, a shift that I realized I had to make and I had to find some new people to, to support all of that. Mm-hmm. I really, I've never had a hard time managing my time and actually being a remote worker was not an unusual thing because I was functioning as a remote worker at Schneider being in a global space. My immediate boss was in Virginia. His boss was up in Hong Kong I had teammates in my team or that reported to me that were in three different countries or around the U.S. So, you know, your time frames were varied and you got accustomed to the fact that you used web tools and phone and you have to be accustomed to being very communicative, which I think is a good habit to roll over into your business model when you're going to work remotely and be a, a solopreneur, really being in touch with people frequently. And then... Um, the other last big piece was really balance, the balance of the work and knowing when to step away and make sure you go and clear your head and get that exercise, uh, do your yoga, go to go for a walk, you know, go out to lunch, you know, this kind of thing. I think that balance is, is something that I'm still working on. <laughs> so, yeah. Susan, how surprised have you been by things that you didn't expect would happen as a solopreneur? Mm. You know, I would actually say that what's what's surprising the most is how many organizations really, and I should know this because I came from one of those organizations where we had to outsource, but they really need to outsource. They really can't keep up. They can't manage all of the, the work, the demands, the requests, and they need to outsource to get some additional help and support and how much of that there is out there. I don't think I imagined there would be that many opportunities so quickly. And, and I was really happy that there were, or have been, you know, and so that was, that was probably the, the biggest surprise for me. 
that everybody is in the same boat that we were in in my company. <laughs> you know, you've got a prescribed plan, and then there's that whole other plan that shows up that wasn't part of the plan. You know, and and you have to be prepared for that and figure out how to allocate resources and and get things accomplished. And that's that's where we step in. Mm. Yeah. Now that's a good surprise. And what about challenging surprises? Trying to do everything trying to do all of it. You know, there are some days I laugh when I tell my friends that my, I used to have nice things hanging on my wall. Now I have lots of flip chart papers with, with with, uh, Sharpie marker writing. You know, it's like I have tons of stuff up on my walls to keep track of the details because doing your own thing means you need to keep track of everything, you know, whether it's, you know, hiring somebody that needs to do work for you or it's, doing the accounting and finding the resources and mapping out the plan or keeping a client on their editorial schedule or whatever the case, you know, you've, you've got the big and the little all together. And I think a lot of people come out of a company having done maybe one or the other, and now you need to kind of go with all of it. And and the fortunate thing is that I have enough years of experience that I've done, you know, the, the roll up the shirt sleeves as well as the big picture stuff. So I know what needs to happen. Um, I just realize now that time is is something I have to work very closely with to sort that all out. That gets back to the whole balance thing, you know, because <laughs> the last thing that happens is, you know, going for the walk or getting lunch. So, yep, absolutely. Susan, where where would you like to take your business? What's your dream? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. My dream is that I continue to be able to work with several large accounts. I like the balance of having several large accounts and then a lot of, uh, I'm going to say smaller organizations and and small business versus large business is a a tough thing to define because everyone has a different definition, but I really like both. And I'd like to be able to do more of both. And that may sound crazy, but everybody has needs and a small business has just as much of a need to succeed as a larger business that has a division that's looking to succeed. So my goal is that I'd like to continue to roll forward with all of these and to, you know, continue to help map out some new programs. I have a, um, a new program option that I'm, I'm cooking on right now, and I'd like to try to get that baked and get it launched. That's my goal in 2020, and I, I will share that with you at another time, I suppose. But, you know, I, I just want to keep that moving, get the visibility, help more clients. Sounds great. Susan, what's the core problem that you saw for clients? The core problem is helping them to get the focus they need. One thing that I see notably is that, and it could be that there's just too much on everyone's plate. The thing that I really notice is that people have a hard time focusing on how they're going to get everything done or what are the most relevant things to focus on. And and when, so I'm going to speak specifically to content marketing and or marketing in general. Content marketing is marketing. A lot of times they are not able to get certain pieces of content developed that they know are really important to get done. And they don't know how to go about it in maybe a uniquely different way or in a way that really speaks to the customer's voice and not to their own voice. So that's a lot of what I find they outsource. And it either is for a time until they understand how to do it themselves, or it's because they need to keep outsourcing it because they just have that kind of volume of work. And so they may not be able to even get the right resources to do some of the innovative things like e-guides or, you know, interesting graphically designed pieces or modules or podcasts. I think that that's one of the things that I'm seeing uh, quite a bit. 
And and that's where I like to work with with clients. That's a space where I can really help them. Sounds great. So Susan, if someone wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today or get in touch with you, where would they go? Uh, Sure. I would love to talk to anyone who wants to explore some new avenues. And the best place to find me would probably be either my LinkedIn profile or through my website, susanhartmanconsulting.com. And you can contact me either way. And I'm very responsive. And uh, I would love to talk through whatever business issues might be coming forward. Sounds great. Well, Susan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and share your insights. My guest today has been Susan Hartman. Thank you again, Susan, for joining us. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate it. When you visit the Going Solo website at smashingtheplateau.com slash solo, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how Susan went from director of a Fortune 500 company to become a marketing advisor and consultant, and much more. If you are trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.